Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast in the direct aftermath of Ukraine 1, Northern Ireland nil uh, from Dnipro. Uh, I'm Andy Bell, I'm joined by Peter Baker and I'm joined by birthday boy Ben Harshaw. Uh, ben, I'll start with you, how are we? Um, not the most exciting way to spend your birthday, but uh, you know, you're on, you're chatting to your mates, That's, uh, most people haven't had that I guess in their birthdays in the last year, so... <laughs> When are my mates getting here? <laughs> Set myself right up. <laughs> yes, I'm dead on. Thanks. What about yourself? Yeah, yeah, all good, mate. All good. As I say, the weather is absolutely sublime. And I have a week off as well, which is nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, happy enough. Pete, how are we? Um, not quite the highs of uh, <laughs> of watching the Malta friendly, a 3-0 win in my hold up in my flat on Sunday. But uh, yeah. alas, good to see you anyway. How are you? Yeah, good as well. Yeah, not quite reaching the highs of that magnificent win at the weekend. Good on in history. It's one of the best. Uh, yeah, good, mate. Bit disheartened after the, the result tonight, but otherwise keeping well. Great stuff, great stuff. Everyone good then. Um, so let's, let's change that and let's talk about the game because first half, Pete, it was, uh, it was a lot of... A lot of pain, I would say. A lot of painful things happening. A lot of McGuinness chasing his own flick-ons. A lot of... Um, Hoofed him again and inshallah, I think I said at one point. Um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't good. It was hard to watch that, that first half, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It looked like the writing was on the wall. Ukraine obviously started uh, with a great intensity and they, you know, it showed why they've qualified for the Euros and topped the group with Portugal and Serbia. And I thought we, we could be on for a bit of a pace there. Um, and it was quite a pessimistic lineup as well. We did, we were quite passive in defence, and then we got on the ball. We were just inaccurate and lacked a bit of precision in the final third. So it was quite disappointing, and it's it seemed like deja vu. You know, the same old start, uh, the same old first half. Anyway, that seems to be consistent under Barclough's regime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And um, Ben, it was. Uh, we were kind of chatting in the pre-pod um, about the kind of uninspiring lineup, really. And we were saying, you know, if he if he does something a little bit different, if he tries out something new or even, even you know, builds up to a lineup, which could potentially be quite exciting, especially seeing against Lithuania in, in, in September, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to find a way of scoring goals. We're going to have to find a way of being creative. We're going to have 60, 70% possession in that game. You you wouldn't have minded tonight if we'd have got hammered three four nil. None of us would have would have come on here and, and had a go at him if he if he kind of tried something a little bit more inspiring or a little bit more exciting. But he, he didn't do that. And uh, to be honest, we were lucky to go into that first half uh, only one nil down. Yeah, I mean, I, I would echo what Pete was saying. Like I, I I'm what you just said yourself there. I, I would completely have more respect for him if he had just said, you know what, we've nothing to lose here with with. Everything to gain in a way because we can we can introduce young players, you know. Okay, they've been with the squad, which will inevitably help them. But get them on the pitch, you know. I mean, we we, we tried Alan McCann a few few couple of months ago, a few months ago for the first time, and we found ourselves a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Um, Ballard as so well. Why not? Why uh, Ballard as well? Absolutely. So why not? Why not do it? Why not give people a chance? You know, uh, what do you call him? Um, Barcloff is. It sort of seems to me like he's so uninspired, and he just will always take the take the easy option. I mean, we are we are um, very much we're well organized under him. There's no doubt about that. We're hard we're hard to play against. But uh, you know, when you look at the lineup, where where were we going to come? Where are the goals and the creativity really going to come with for that lineup? And indeed, with the substitutions, 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is it psychological to these first halves? Because I feel like we haven't seen a, a decent first half performance under Baraclough. And uh, that's borne out in the stats, which say, well, you know, that, that goal against Malta the other day, it was the first first half goal we scored in yeah. 10 games. Um, and it's it's strange because, you know, he makes a change at halftime to, and it seems to work, but it's not he's not always making changes at halftime. And, you know, for example, in Bosnia, uh, we come out of the blocks, we get our goal back against Italy. We play much better second half. Um, and uh, and obviously, you know, the damage is done by half time. But what, what is it? Do you think it is it is in their heads? Do you think it's it's the idea of the opposition taking their foot off the gas? It, it Whatever it is, it needs to get sorted very quickly because otherwise there are other bad results coming down the road. Yeah, I, I just can't quite put my finger on it. We, we can't seem to get a foothold early on in the game and it sort of sets the tone, which is really disappointing. Uh, potentially, it's not being aggressive enough in our lineup decisions you know it's as i mentioned earlier it's quite passive and almost sort of setting up for damage limitation what i mentioned to you earlier before the podcast that i thought this game would be in preparation uh for the switzerland game game which is must win against high class opposition where we have to go out and win you know we can't sit back uh so why not give it a go tonight and it just looked like we were sitting back letting ukraine dictate play it's just very frustrating. I don't you know. Kinda, why. Maybe that's tactics. Yeah. You, you kind of also, you, you know, you fall into a way of playing. And if the way we're yeah. playing is to set up to start that way, to start and feel other teams out and stuff, then, you know, like like the Bulgaria game, for example, by the time we realized, oh shit, we need a goal here, you know, it was too late and it never came. So start the game from minute one and go, go at teams. I'm not expecting us to be going out at late for 90 minutes or anything like that. Yeah. But, you know, a game like that tonight, nothing to lose. Game against Bulgaria, nothing to, nothing to lose. Well, obviously, there's some to lose points-wise, but, mm. you know, if we don't win, if a draw is no good to us, we don't win the game. Yeah. You've got Forget the bad good really. players we've got. We've good players. You know, man for, not, man, for man. I mean, Ukraine have guys in the Champions League weekend we got playing in top divisions in Europe, but... So, I mean, they didn't look that much better. They had a bit more quality, but we've got some decent, handy players as well. It'd just be nice to see them back themselves and really go for it. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, ben, Dave Dumman messaged me halfway through the game. Uh, well, actually, towards the end of the game, he, he sort of was questioning whether we've become that type of team who's just happy to be nil-nil or one-nil down going into the last 10 minutes. And that's such a sea change from what we've seen on the last six years under Michael O'Neill. I'm not doing like an, an O'Neill versus Barclough comparison or whatever, because I don't think that, that, that leads us on to anything. But you never really... Listen, we were conservative at times under Michael O'Neill when we had to be, you know. Um, but I would like to think in, in kind of a game like that where there is absolutely nothing to lose, as you say. Like, I mean, the one thing that, that came across to me is like, he plays McGuinness and McGinn up front. You think, okay, that's kind of like a conservative thing to do. I can understand playing McGuinness. I can understand kind of the rationale behind it. Um, but McGuinness and McGinn, it's, it's such a weird choice because you can't see him ever really doing that in a in a competitive game. What I, The first thing I thought is, where's the pace coming from? Who's going to get us in behind? Who's our outlet? Who's going to stop Ukraine literally pushing up to the halfway line and, 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 and penning us right away in all game, which is what was borne out. And like, it doesn't... Like, I can kind of understand that. I was still frustrated, but I can kind of understand that if, if, we're, if we're dead solid, like we were under Michael O'Neill, if we're not giving anything away, if we're not giving any space in the midfield. But this was happening. We were carrying no threat up front and Ukraine were carving us open time after time after time again. Yeah. 
And another thing that I would question in terms of being being adaptable, which I feel is something that Barkov look. Listen, he's he's an, he's an inexperienced manager. He may grow and he may he may gain on on things, I guess. But another thing is, I think he's so 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 set on this three five two that I think we need another way of playing. So that do we do we need to go to Lithuania with three three centre backs with five at the back at times, or or we're better having that extra you know having an extra player in the wing or somebody to make things happen. So in a friend like like that, even if it's for half or for half an hour or whatever, be adaptable, change change those things up so that the players know more than one way to play, so they're not so rigid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's something we saw with Michael O'Neill. Michael O'Neill regularly flitted between the 4-3-3 and the 3-5-2 even within qualification campaigns and you know he felt like he had to fit Cathcart, uh, Macaulay and Evans into that same back three and you could understand that I personally didn't think that was actually conducive to good performances under Michael O'Neill mm. at times I thought he felt like he had to do that and you know he couldn't leave any of his Premier League centre halves out but you're absolutely right like the the the, the we go to 4-3-3 for a small period of time against the USA and we look quite good we get the goal and, um, you know, we have McGinn coming off the bench and there is a question mark about the, about kind of the wingers and the squad. But, you know, as you say, you know, like at least try it out for a game, at least have that to go to. Because there's bound to be games where they do these, this video analysis and they have a look at the teams and think, Christ, we could actually do with a couple of wingers here. We could actually do with playing like in this way. We don't need the three at the back. So if you set yourself like so dogmatically and, and so rigidly with this with this way of playing, even if it does on the on the surface look like, You've got the squad that suits it. That it's 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 it. It makes it easier to play against. And when you're known there, you've got a limited pool of resources. You know you don't need to you don't need to give other you don't need to give teams extra clues as to how you're what you're going to do and how you're going to play. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think ahead. sorry just to jump in. I think I think one of the things again I'm trying not to to just always compare between Michael as well. But one one of the things about that was and the difference between now um, is that. We, while we were compact and while we were, you know, worked hard and didn't give people space and things like that, you know, we were also able to take the game to teams and, and therefore that didn't, didn't enable teams to get at us all the time. Where now I sort of feel like we're it's inevitable that the goals going to come from another if they're a good team because we're so passive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's a million miles away from, you know, what we saw under Michael O'Neill, that qualifying campaign where, we keep seven out of 10 clean sheets. And it's not as if, you know, okay, we've lost Gareth McCauley. We've lost Aaron Hughes, who, you know, wasn't actually a regular in that squad, people have to remember. And, mm. uh, you know, we've got players like Valor. We've got individually good center halves coming through and, and good players at the back. And um, so, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly buying that it's just the different squad that, that is why. And he needs to, he needs to kind of get that right because we, there's not been really a single game, apart from maybe like the, the three, five twos we play in Austria and in Norway. Um, but even then, I think we're judging it to a different standard because it was like Tom Flanagan, Conor McLaughlin and somebody else playing a centre yeah. half. You know, if we were watching Johnny Evans and, and those players play like that and Craig Cathcart, would we be saying would we be saying that was a brilliant performance? Probably not. Um, and Pete, it's uh, my my thing on it is like the, the first half there, there was I felt like there were seven or eight players who we're actually looking to get on the ball. Ali Khan was constantly shown for it. I thought it was massively improved on what we saw from Thompson in that defensive midfield role uh, on Sunday. I thought Ali McCann was really good tonight in terms of doing the Davis thing, showing as that third man at the back, building up play. But there's two or three players who seem just desperate to, to lump at the McGuinness. And, uh, and that was frustrating me. I think there was, I think Dallas, I saw Dallas and uh, I kind of having to go a Cathcart in the first half when... Um, 
when he he kind of he had options it's not as if they don't have options it's not as if we were like massively pressed okay ukraine pressed well a couple of times but there does seem to be a couple of players who just kind of or even maybe it's just they see mcginnis and the idea the psychology that when mcginnis is in the side you can hit him and you kind of you can that's easier than actually getting your head up and maybe taking a few more risks i don't know if that i don't know if you kind of felt the same about that yeah, I, I mean, tonight for me showed me that the, the long ball or confirmed that the long ball we played at McGuinness is just ineffective. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Um, I mean, I've been guilty of in the past thinking, oh, yeah, we'll play along the McGuinness, he'll hold it up and bring others into play. You know, it, it didn't happen tonight. It didn't happen against Malta. We just turn over possession and Ukraine come back and attack at us. Maybe it's a matter of trying to be more brave on the ball. There's obviously a time to get rid of the ball. Uh, before Pete Mary for the Sunday league matches, you have to kick it out. But, I think more uh, often than not in Sunday yeah, matches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when you've got time on the ball, there's no need to rush it to just give them easy possession back. Uh, and that was another really frustrating aspect of the first half. They were playing yeah. aimed with, well, they were aimed, uh, but they just didn't stick. Aimed uh, in the general direction, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Even, even if a ball did bounce our way and we managed to get some possession in their half, you know, we inevitably give it away after one pass mm-hmm. one or two passes you know there wasn't really the patience there yeah um and then touching on McCann, i thought he was excellent he played the one thing he did was he played things first time no one else does and that just creates space because defenders can't get near him it eliminates having a dodgy touch and more often than not his passes were really accurate so i, I was really impressed with him yeah and uh, just just on the centre halves as well, like you know, the, this idea of always hitting McGuinness. Um, you know, Guardiola always talks about this idea that uh, the quicker you, you the quicker you kick it forward, the quicker it comes back. And that kind of the more you actually think about that, and the more you watch it, the more it happens. Because these these defenders are playing for D, uh, Dinamo Kiev, they're playing for Shakhtar Donetsk, they're playing for the two best teams in the country, they're, which is an, quite a decent league. But if yeah. they're the two dominant teams in the country, that's all teams are going to be doing against them. Teams are they're used to dominating play, they're used to that, and. You know, coming up against a League One striker, it's not going to phase them at all. We like to, we like this idea in our heads that that you know these teams they won't like come up against Josh McGinnis because they don't do it on a on a weekly basis. But in reality, I don't think there's I don't really think there's anything particularly scary about it. Or you know, at least if you've got some, even like a Paul Smith, I was surprised to be see Paul Smith come on tonight because he doesn't seem to fancy him that much. But even you know having him there, at least they have to think right. If I if I leave this much space in behind, or if we get our line wrong here, he's in there. Yeah. Um, and maybe you know, I don't know. I just feel like there. You know, we had some options there tonight, and even when Lafferty, we even when Lafferty comes on, I think he does better. But we'll come on to talk about that. Uh, yeah. Let me just rattle through some of the comments on the Facebook Live. Uh, Raf Manuk says best show on the net. Yeah, I know I've already said that, but I wanted to say it while we were recording. Thanks, Raf. Um, Andy Miller says great to see Big <laughs> Sam getting on Green White Army. Uh, Raf says we definitely deserve to draw. Peacock Farrell top notch. If only we had a goal scorer. Um, don't necessarily agree that we deserve to draw, but yes, certainly, uh, certainly need a goal scorer. Corey Persley says Big Josh and McGinn up top. Brutal. Yep. Uh, Ricky yeah. Warwick. Any news on why Jordan Jones wasn't involved? No, I haven't heard anything. Um. I assume because you know we didn't have the the full um, complement to subs. I assume it's more than just um, uh, it's more than just his performance because he was magnificent the other night. Michael McCune says great work, gents. Thanks, Michael. Um, Neil McCulloch says first half no one was talking to each other. Okay, um, and yeah, okay, so that's all the comments we have so far. So let's go on to the second half. Um, ben, I'll come to you because 
straight away it was better. Um, I don't know whether it was a substitution of Thompson. It yeah. seemed a bit weird. Me and Pete were trying to work it out. Um, over WhatsApp, we were trying. Like it seemed to be a four five a five four one. Um, with Thompson left and Paddy McNair right, and it seemed to, you know he packed as many kind of central midfielders into the into the team as he could. You know, Stuart Dallas obviously has central midfield tendencies. You've got Dan Ballard and Kieran Brown. You can step into the midfield and then you'd literally four central midfielders in front of them. I felt that uh, enabled us to get more of a foothold on the game and stop the kind of wave after wave domination that we saw in the first half. It does, however, I feel like it maybe makes the Josh up front that bit more isolated. Mm-hmm. And I think what we were talking about there playing the long ball game, while I don't think Josh certainly didn't have his best game, um, he was so, even if he had won those flick-ons, he was so isolated that what, what was he going to do with it? Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? What, you know, so uh, I was pleased to see Thompson come on. I, I like Thompson and I, I actually, you, you maybe disagree, but I thought he played quite well on uh, Sunday okay. um, against Malta. And the one thing that I, when I, when I heard Barclough talking before the game and he was talking about wanting to build on the performance, and I was thinking, well, then don't don't change him out of the midfield then. Mm-hmm. He certainly, for me, gives you more than Savo um, in the midfield. But um, I, 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 I was pleased to see him coming on. However, I don't know if I would have brought him on to sacrifice that more attacking player. And, and again, I don't know, again, again, could have been injured for all I know, but... Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I would have brought him on um, for, for the likes of Savile and then brought on some more attacking, be it Paul Smith, be it Dion Charles um, up front. But just, just, to, just to, I think we've all been relatively negative, which we're only saying what we see from the first half, but I just wanted to pick out one, one player that I really was impressed with was Kieran Brown. Um, and any time I've seen Kieran Brown, be it for the under-21s, which I've seen him a good few times for is limited opportunities with us um, with Livingston I've never seen him for Cardiff um, but anytime I've seen him I've been really impressed with him and you know he's, he's young so he, you know there is there is hope there yeah uh, I, I think he does alright tonight Pete uh, Kieran Brown he's uh, he seems a little bit ragged at times he seems to be playing on the edge he seems you know he seems to slide in quite a lot which you know kind of worries me we all go back to the kind of Maldini quote about um if I have to make a tackle, I've already made a mistake. And Kieran Brown makes a load of mistakes in Maldini's eyes, but not in Ben's eyes anyway. I mean, yeah, he's been, he has been fine. And we have to remember this is only his, his fourth or fifth international cap. He has, uh, he has come in. He, he's done quite well. You know, he's able to go to left back. He's able to go to left wing back where he's played at Cardiff. Um, and he's not a bad option, especially in a back three. I feel like he needs a back three. I feel like he does need to be protected in it. Um, but yeah, individually he does okay tonight. My concern was maybe slightly more the, you know, the line at times looked a little bit ragged and, uh, you know, I can't, I can't just slag off Craig Cathcart much as I would love to, um, you know, <laughs> that, Dan, Daniel Ballard at times, you know, was maybe just a little bit fatigued. I think he does well overall though. And, and Kieran Brown's obviously a part of that as well, but, you know, individually Brown certainly didn't do himself any, um, didn't, didn't do himself any trouble. No, I, I mean, overall, I think they played quite well in their individual battles. I mean, there were some last-ditch blocks and tackles in there. We rode our luck, we rode our luck at times. Um, there, was, there was one tackle that Brown put in. I thought he was going to get nowhere near the ball for one of the slide tackles. I don't know if you yeah, I think I know, know which the one, one I'm talking about. Uh, I, I know which one you're talking about. was a class tackle the end. But my heart was in my mouth there for a second. But, yeah, he's acquitted himself really well. It's just another option. And um, that's one positive from... Uh, time under Barclough, we've seemed to come across a lot of young players breaking into the first team. Yeah, uh, maybe not so many in this set of friendlies, but 
you know, he's had a few games to settle in, and I think we'll probably see a lot more of him yeah. in years to come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think I think Brown and Ballard are actually two players who could do who could really benefit. It seems an obvious thing to say because of the quality of the player, but not only because of the quality of the player, because of his assuredness, could really benefit from from playing alongside Johnny Evans in that three man defense because they are two players who like to play on the edge. They are two players who like to you like kind of like to fly in. I enjoy watching them defend. Yeah. That, that's not a it's not an indictment on their defensive ability at all. Um, it's it, it's it's just you know having that maybe somebody talking them through it they are both still young and they could definitely benefit from that ben i'll let you have a bit of a talk about ali mccann because pete touched on him there and i thought he was he was magnificent again tonight um he was uh, he's somebody who's had an amazing season i was watching um i was watching a show the other day where, where i think it was chris sutton had him as his young player of the season i had him as in his team of the year he must have been crap then <laughs> yeah i know it's not the most uh it's not the it's not the greatest reference. You wouldn't want yeah you wouldn't want <laughs> you wouldn't want Chris Sutton as your as your referee when you're applying for a job. But I'm happy to go along with his judgment in this one. He's won the double. He's come fifth. He looks like he's going to get a move. Uh, Celtic are heavily linked, possibly uh, a championship club as well. But he's a player who it's mad because six months ago we were we were all talking about Galbraith and how we all wanted to see Galbraith. And then it's yeah. McCann who starts that game in Austria, and it's McCann who's made those those strides really. And I feel like Galbraith's, yeah. for example, a better player. Um, in terms of on the ball, he could probably do more on the ball. He's a better passer. Uh, but Ali McCann, you're really starting to see the the two or three years he's had playing week in, week out in senior football against men. Yeah, no, Ali McCann's class. I mean, he really, really is class. He's a long way to go, but he's he's you know with Davis coming to the end, he's he's a bright hope for us in that midfield. He's calm. You know, he makes time for himself on the ball. Um, anytime I've seen him, I actually I was watching Rangers and Johnson a couple of years ago, maybe maybe it was last year. I, with all this COVID, everything seems like it's been all one year. But um, and actually, before I knew he was Northern Irish, I was watching and saying, "I felt good there." And then he said, "Northern Ireland under twenty one international." And I was like, "Oh, brilliant!" And every time I've seen him since, you know, he's been so so good. And you hear, you just hear. I mean, you talk to some Johnson fan about him, like they're rave about him, um, and. You know, he's, he's light, but he, he, he certainly can hold his own in a midfield. And especially, you know, in the Scottish League, like, you know, there's, there's, there's a tackle or two goes in, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he for me, like I think I said the last time I was on the pod, um, he, his place is one of, if we're playing three in the midfield, to me, he he's one of them. Him and Davis are the two obvious. Him, for me, it's him, Davis and McNair, the three that I have in the midfield every, every single game of her fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ali McCann is, I mean, he's, he's young too, like, so he's, he's got such a future ahead of him. And yeah, here, so here's Celtic are very interested, here Rangers are very interested. Um, and then I think it's Cardiff are, are, are very, very keen, supposedly. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. No, it, it looks like he's definitely going to get a move. I think they're, I, I read an article the other day that they're demanding actually the record fee. Uh, that's Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think it's 1.75 million. Um, so, you know, you're, you're talking about a player, players, and this don't really go for that money in the Scottish Premiership. Never mind one of the a team like St Johnson, who who are you know are so uh, who people know have financial problems and kind of exploit that in terms of taking their players for cheaper as well. So that just tells you the quality of player he is, and, and as you say, the, the people watching week in week out are, are reflecting that and what they say. Um, just hope he makes the. I just hope he makes the right move, like so that yeah. he still plays because he'll benefit so much. If if he stayed for one more year, even if even if I mean me as a Rangers supporter, I'd love to sign him, but I'd love to sign him and run him back to them for another season. You know, okay. yeah. Um. So he's playing every single week. 
Yeah, you're right. They're, 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 the teams like that, they're um, like Rangers and Celtic. They have so many options. I mean, Rangers, I think, had, had eight or nine options at midfield at times this season. And uh, so I, I don't know, maybe maybe Celtic is the better move for him. I hope I don't get Lynch for saying that. Right. But uh, um, yeah, um, possibly. Anyway, uh, Pete, let's move it on because I think uh, Kyle Lafferty, you saw a different Kyle Lafferty when he comes on tonight. I think you saw somebody who's actually clearly been playing week in, week out and has that match fitness. And I've said in this podcast before that I think that he's... Um, He's done kind of starting in a Northern Ireland shirt. I still have him on the bench. I still have him around the squad. I still think he can make an impact off the bench. But like you saw a Lafferty tonight who was more mobile, who was actually getting about a little bit more. He used to be a great presser when he played for us at times, actually. He wasn't the lazy big lump everyone would, would like to have you believe these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been five years since he scored an international goal, but I think what I've seen enough tonight and kind of I haven't actually seen a, a, an actual game for Kilmarnock, but from what you hear and, and how obviously his goal scoring record speaks for itself, he's somebody who might not be quite as as done as what we thought two years ago when he was playing in some mad Eastern European country and never playing. Yeah, I mean, the, the long and short of it is, yes. It, it actually, for the first time in a couple of years, Lafferty coming on off the bench, I thought, oh, here we go. He's in form. I thought he's rejuvenated now. He's actually got some games under his belt. He's got a terrific goal-scoring record. And I think he's, I noted his first two touches. I think one was sort of chipped ball. He chested it and brought one of uh, our wing-backs into play. And that's something we, we didn't see in the first half. No. You know, he took it doesn't dribble. do it. No, he, do, he doesn't. And that, that's something Lafferty... Lafferty has always been technically quite good. The problem is he normally tires himself out by charging around for ages. So you'd hope with a few more games under his belt, he can have more of an impact and you can see his quality. You know, he also made that great pass to, to Paul Smith. Yeah. And, he, and he he, he, just, to, just to go in there, there's another instance where it's probably, probably like um, people haven't picked up on it, but he very nearly flicks Paul Smith in. Um, there's like a, it touches off the Ukrainian player's heel, but he's very close to getting Paul Smith in. So if that had just gone cleanly through, uh, Smith would have been in for the equaliser and that's kind of that's the theory of why you play him against for the flick-ons to the wee man yeah. but Lafferty actually does it in practice yeah it just helps with him being more sharp um, having that game time uh, he's you know benefit to us if he's back and scoring goals I'd love to see him still in the squad if he's staying at that level mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he's a starter uh, because you know, he'll just tire himself out after the first half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, bring him on after 60 minutes if we need to change the game. And also, he's never relied on pace. You know? So I suppose he's a starter. He's a starter if he's still, if he's 13 and 13 for Northern Ireland. We don't, yeah. don't have that luxury. You know, yeah, true, but true. my only thing tonight, I thought Kyle was great. And I was, I was pleased to see him coming on. But my only thing tonight was like, again, it goes back to that nothing to lose. We know what we're getting from Kai. We know what we, he can do. Whereas Dion Charles is sitting there, and the boy's not really had a chance. It's three you minutes. Know. I'd I'd say we sort of know what what we see, what Kyle can do, um, but not really because he's sort of rejuvenated. I was excited to see has he changed a bit. I suppose there's a he didn't get a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, but you're right about <laughs> Dion Charles not getting a chance. Again, mm. we've been crying out for that. Just yes. Different. Yeah. 
Yeah, hundred percent. What's the right? Yeah. What's the right move for Lafferty, Ben? Um, is it stay at Kilmarnock? Is it playing the Scottish Championship, score a million goals, or is it kind of get a move back up to? I mean, the obvious thing to say is it's it's, it's football for Lafferty because it's yeah. the first time he's got regular football in the right team and he's done well. He's going to get that at Kilmarnock, but is could he maybe make a move up to the Scottish Premiership and go to? I yeah, know, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're Hamilton relegated, but oh, uh, sorry, yes, so they are. Yeah. Um, but I, I think so. I think I actually think if Kyle Lafferty he went to Kilmarnock, I almost think it was his last chance in professional football. I think honestly, if that had gone the way his last few moves had gone, you might have seen him at like Linfield or something this summer. Yeah. Um, but I think now he's earned himself. I think he'll get a get a Scottish champion or Scottish Premier, sorry, lower lower level, uh, even a Hearts again. You know, some somewhere like that, someone up and coming. Um, he's earned that scoring thirteen goals in thirteen. I mean, there, there's no, there's not enough strikers in that league to, you know, to do that. So I think he'll get one. But he, again, it would be better for him if he was. Again, it comes down to is he going to play? Is it the right move? Um, but but yeah, I think he's another move in the in the SPL. And hmm. yeah. Okay, uh, well, it'll be interesting seeing that one. Let me rattle through a couple of comments. So think about your man of the match, lads. We'll come back to you and we'll wrap up the pod with that. Um, Tom Bell says, good performance all around, deserved a better result. Can't see uh, Ukraine finishing too many games with 11 men. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Uh, Naomi Fox says, what a shame not to get an equaliser. A lot of positives. Uh, played well and dug in, didn't give up. Uh, Peacock Farrell made a couple of great saves. The best I've seen him in a while and great potential from the young players coming through onwards and upwards, I feel. Uh, Noel Keenan says Ballard continues to grow and gets better with every game. Kieran Brown had a superb game, uh, also making progress at international level, making good progress at international level. Sorry, Lauren Conn says we deserve to draw. Uh, definitely lots of positives to take away from it. Josh wasn't great, but sure uh, what Barclough's thinking uh, with him starting. Oh, not sure what Barclough's thinking with him starting, as I definitely see more potential in other players up front. But plenty of praise for Peacock Farrell in the back line. Uh, let's see, um, Neil McCulloch says, I think it's time to look past Big Josh as a starter. Don't know if it's a manager or players. Uh, when we start him, we seem to just want to kick it long. Yeah, exactly what we were saying. Brian Ballard, McCann were brilliant tonight. McCann was looking for the ball to make things happen, which is promising. Exactly. Completely agree with that, Neil. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I'll go on the Twitter, see if there's anything on there. Um, let me see. Bear with me. So uh, on the Twitter... Cammy Bell says, in most games, we've been putting in very good performances, uh, but it's been the same old story in each. Not clinical enough in the final third, getting far too predictable. The game confirms to me that McGinnis shouldn't be starting for us much more effective off the bench. Yeah, that, that's maybe something we can, we can, we can touch on. Uh, Pete, like, come to you first. Uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before. It's like um, McGinnis, like, even when you look back in the last year against uh, Austria, I think it is, when he, uh, he scores the goal, he's off the bench. And we've seen so many instances where he has been good off the bench. And that's kind of like what the thing we've focused a lot on what he doesn't do when he starts, but also like to kind of put a positive spin on it, what he gives you off the bench, because the players always talk about him as being the quickest player on the team. And I'm like, what, where, where are they getting that from? But when you see him come off the bench and the other, the opposition are tired. I mean, there's countless goals he scored for us. I'd say it's over 75% of the goals he scored uh, have come off the bench for us. So like you're losing that as well. Yeah. I mean, with our limited pool of players, we've got, we've got to play to our strengths. Starting McGuinness isn't a strength for us. You know, there's better, there's other players who can start up front and potentially bring those around them into the game. You know, McGuinness in the last 15 minutes, like you touched on, is more effective. He scores goals then. He causes a bit more havoc in the boxes. He's someone to aim at it for 
getting free kicks in, hitting corners in. That's when he should be played. He's not a starter for me. Because mm-hmm. he, yeah. he do, doesn't give us enough to get a platform in the game. We mm-hmm. saw that again tonight. And Ben, you see like what, for example, Michael O'Neill does in Rotterdam. He starts Lafferty. Um, Lafferty kind of runs around for 60 minutes, tires him out. And McGuinness comes on and does a business. Um, similarly in Austria, uh, Liam Boyce does that job for a while. Uh, McGuinness comes on and does a business. There's count- countless instances where McGuinness has come off the bench. Um, first of all, where the player who started gives us more than what McGuinness does for the first 60 minutes, but also where McGuinness comes off the bench and does more than these players who are coming off the bench now, broadly speaking, are giving us. Yeah, Josh seems to benefit from a tighter defence, you know, um, and, and you know, with the greatest respect to him, he'll he, he try, he try his heart out and he'll run all day for Northern Ireland. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have the quality, if I'm honest, to, to be a starter at, at that level. You know, I'd, I'd be interested to see, Pete, you were saying, like, you don't think Kyle's a starter anymore and you don't think Josh is. If you yeah. start one of those two, who would it well, be? I suppose, yeah. I might take back not starting Kyle. To be fair, now he's got his fitness, but he, he's not going to be able to last the full game. No. No, because he, he's going to get hooked in 60 minutes, which is the thing. Is It's a, it's a difficult one to weigh up. Yeah. I think he, Lafferty what, for me would be more likely to start than McGuinness. I'd if, rather if, see I'd rather yeah. see Lafferty start against Lithuania than I would Josh McGuinness, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I would too. Um, and that's what I'd I think. Say this is that. what I think this is what sort of pissed me off. I, mean, I keep going back and making the same point, but this is what kind of pissed me off. It's like we have we've had this debate so many times. Oh, should we start Josh? Should we start Kyle? And it's like, well, then in a in a friendly, why are we starting either of them? Why not mm-hmm. just go right? Here you go, Dion Charles, or here you go, Paul Smith, or whoever. Or, or uh, to me, to me, Liam, Liam Boyce is our best striker. Like not most clinical finisher, but hold up play, link in the play. I, I think he's class. Um, and and you know, but but again, we know what he can do. So give someone give someone else a chance, and then then maybe we'll have a different debate. It won't just be well, Josh or well, Kyle, because maybe we'll say well, Dion Charles is there and he did well against Ukraine. But if he gets mm-hmm. on for a minute and a half, he'll not we'll not know, will we? No. No, definitely not. And, and that's the thing, even one of them with like a Josh and one of them, you know what I mean? Like even, even yeah. I, was, I was all right when we got us Jones on Sunday because at least you got to see Jordan mm-hmm. Jones up front. And if, you know, mm-hmm. he wants to say, right, I need to work out if Jones can be an option for me up front. Um, and, and I want to I like test this out because it's something I might be able to do in Lithuania. Then he says, right, I'll give him a chance with Josh because I'm going to play Josh no matter what. And I need to judge what Jones can do with Josh. I can get that, but when you play McGinn and McGinn and McGinnis, uh, I, I don't understand it at all. Um, and again, who was at wing back at the weekend? Wing yeah. back, and now suddenly he's a striker while you've actual striker sitting on the bench. Yeah, uh, don't make sense to me. Doesn't make. One sense. thing I want to say is a lot of people. A lot of people were saying in the comments you were reading there, like, "Oh, we deserve the point." There are not a point to draw. Obviously, no, no point in a friendly. But the only thing I would say about that is, other than the header from Kieran Bryan, which is a wonderful save, did we really have any clear cut chances? Not that yeah. I can think of. And another another day, a good will, will have put away some of the chances they yeah. created too. So yeah. I can't say that we deserved anything, to be honest. I don't think we deserved to get hammered. I thought when we deserved to no. lose 2 0. But uh, no, I agree with that. I, I don't think we necessarily deserve to win. I think it would be a bit of recency bias because we did look better in the second half, but people are forgetting, you know, Ukraine did pick us off a couple of times. Um, yeah. Okay, Ben, give me a man of the match and we'll wrap it up. Uh, Kieran Brown. Okay. And Pete? Yeah. Uh, I'd say Ali McCann. I'd also just touch on Peacock Farrell made a few decent saves. Yeah. Jacqueline Hyde performance from him. <laughs> <laughs> Some Isn't it always? Like, uh, 
Some well, scary it's, moments. It's sometimes more hide than Jacko in recent, yeah. <laughs> recent oh, <games. laughs> When he dribbled past Yarmolenko in the first half, I was like, oh my goodness. I know, I know. Yeah. I know. And then he, he gave a straight back to them, didn't he? Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. Like, I can't work out whether he's uh, good with the ball at his feet or not. I really can't work it out yeah. because Marcelo Bielsa wanted to keep him and to play on anybody else's side, you have to be good with the ball at your feet with a keeper. So he must be, but goodness me, yeah, I've never... I'd rather he just sent it into touch um, than, than try to pick out the the, uh, the cutting-edge pass into midfield, which kind of goes against everything yeah. I said in, in, in this podcast. You were disappointed that he played, weren't you? Peacock Farrell? Yeah. I would rather see... Not that he played, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather, I, I wanted to see Hazard. I, I think Hazard deserved a chance because I don't think there's a lot between them at the minute, to be honest. Um, you know, you've, you're talking about two players who've come in this season and actually probably when Hazard has come in, and in fact, without doubt, when Hazard has come in this season for his club, he's actually done better than Peacock Farrell. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay, I put the poll up for Man of the Match on Twitter. 41% went with Ali McCann. He just edged out Billy Peacock Farrell, 38%. So, um so there we go. People have spoken. Ali McCann probably would be my man of the match as well. Uh, he says after after the event, after having read what the what the people think. Uh, I nice go one. for Ali McCann too now. <laughs> <laughs> Were you like Raf's comment again? Will it? No, I was joking. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, nice one, lads, for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. Anyways, thank you. Good stuff. I'll stop it here. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Oh, sorry. Uh, I should have said um, Euro Fantasy Football League. Um, we're doing some podcasts starting next week. Uh, starting on Friday night, we're going to have a podcast around 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to be previewing the uh, the Turkey versus Italy game. We're going to be doing a big Euros preview, chatting about all the big teams, chatting about who we think is going to win it, et cetera, et cetera. And we're also going to bring Fantasy Football into it. So we've got a prize uh, to be given out to the, the winner of the Fantasy Football League. Uh, it's an item of your choice from the 90s Inspired website. Okay, so we've got about 63 or 64 in the league last I checked. So everyone, get your teams in. It's on the official Euro 2020 app. Um, it, you know, fantasy football, have a look at the rules. Um, they're slightly different to the, the Fantasy Premier League in the sense that you can actually change your captain at the end of every day to somebody who hasn't played yet in that round of fixtures. Uh, you can do the same with substitutes. So, you know, Turkey versus Italy first night, you might as well captain a Turkey or an Italy player if you have them because you can always change it to whoever you want afterwards. Um, and if they do well, then you can stick with it. So lots of rules like that to play. But uh, yeah, we're going to be doing loads of podcasts around it. We're going to get the boys on on Friday night. Um, we're going to go through everyone's team. We're going to pick them apart. Um, and we'll, and you know, uh, you guys can play against us and play for a prize. So um, the code for the league is 28QRT1PN09. Okay, so 28QRT1PN09. Uh, that link or that code is on our socials so you don't have to go back and listen to the podcast although do feel free because that'll count as an extra listen for us um so yeah uh, nice one guys for uh nice one both of you for coming on and uh, nice one to you guys for listening we'll be back next week these will be on facebook live as well they'll also go up as a podcast everything you need um yeah perfect thanks very much for listening bye-bye